Welcome to Savage and Average. I'm your host, Matt McChesney. We are over here at the lab at 6-0 Football Academy at 10470 South Progress Way over here in Parker, Colorado. Make sure you get your ass down here uh, and check out the facility. Today's show is awesome. We're going to have Chad Muma, a third-round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, proud Wyoming alum, cowboy up. And he went to Legend High School right down the street uh, and also started in in the 6-0 Football Academy program when he was a true freshman eight, nine years ago. So the the process of seeing him drafted this year and playing so well and getting his first NFL action uh, against Washington this weekend, we'll talk to him about all of that. So don't miss that as well. Uh, we've got a ton to talk about when it comes to football from college to the NFL. Uh, and obviously we'll talk about the Broncos at the end of the show and that absolute fucking disaster that was on Monday night. That was just so terrible. Um, so look, we have a lot to talk about today and our opening segment today is going to be brought to you by our good friends at Rico's burritos. Uh, and we've had the, we've had the uh, honor of having my man, uh, Rick Garcia in here, uh, to talk about his products a little bit and what they do and how they do it. Uh, Rick played at Oregon state back in the day. So definitely, uh, you know, has a has a keen eye for the game, and his son is in the program, and his product is outstanding. So check out Rico's Burritos and all that they do real quick, and they'll be bringing us uh, into our first segment here, which is a little Q&A with the big guy and I. And this next segment is brought to you by our good friends at Rico's Burritos, and everybody knows here at 6-0 that we're big on the Rico Burrito kick here. Uh, we eat them constantly. Uh, we've got our, our fridge over here full of them. And we are so lucky here today uh, on uh, Savage and Average to have the Mad, the Myth, and the Levin, legend, Mr. Rick Garcia here, the owner and operator of Rico's Burritos. Um, Rick played at Oregon State back in the day, and now you're, you're running this family business. Uh, I love these. I am hammering them left and right. I apologize for maybe our bottom line isn't as good because big guy's over here filling his gullet. But talk to everybody about Rico's Burritos and... Uh, not only the business, but how much you do give back to the community. I see you got your Legend Titans uh, shirt on today. Your son uh, plays at Legend, and he's one of our guys in the program here. So sure just is. talk about that a little bit. He sure is. Well, first off, I mean, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's always great coming in here. We are thrilled as both uh, parent and son to be part of your organization and also to be able to support it with our product. Um, our product, we've been out here in Colorado since 1997, started in the Mexican restaurant business. And evolved um, and we've evolved to now a burrito manufacturing plant that manufactures thousands of burritos a day that are currently in Colorado, California, Oregon and Washington State. And I am uh, finalizing a deal to uh, get our product into Kentucky, Ohio and Indiana. As big well. time. Bro. So, That's yeah, it's, time. Uh, it's blessings all around. Um, we we strive to have. Restaurant quality product in convenience stores, uh, in coffee houses, and in pubs actually as well. Now we're growing uh, vastly in that area by having good quality at a good price. It just seems to have taken off. And my boys love them. Every time they're here, they're they're always, "Hey, can we get a burrito, Dad? Can we get a burrito?" I'm like, of course you can. Uh, the other thing that I've I've found here with these is all the the early mornings like school started back up the 5 a.m's are rolling uh your boys in tomorrow morning early yes, yes. when they leave 6 a.m 7 a.m in the morning i'm like guys let's go cop one of those burritos get it in your gullet before you go to school 
and it, re it fills them up with all that good protein. And just the, when you say home cooked, I don't think people understand, like these burritos are like, I, I feel like I'm sitting in your kitchen eating every time I do it. Every time I, I break one open. So just, just talk about that here a little bit. I, well, I appreciate that. And I'm glad that uh, you see that. Uh, we are proud of the fact that if you bite into any one of our burritos, you'll be able to identify anything that we say is in there. Unfortunately, or maybe I should say fortunately, the majority of burritos out there, you have to hope and pray that what they say is in there is in there. And uh, that has just managed to make me look better. Because when you bite into a Rico's Burritos, you know what's in there. Yeah. So what I did is rather than use my buying power to you to buy cheap products cheap, I used my buying power. We had nine restaurants at our peak. And now the thousands of burritos we make a day, I use that buying power to be able to buy great quality products at inexpensive prices. Nice. Very so nice. now we can get that. And uh, I mean... People ask me, he's like, uh, they're like, Cruz, gosh, Cruz is 16. He's weighing 245. He's huge. How does that happen? No joke. I mean, a handheld burrito that has five to 600 calories of good protein and good carbs is, uh, is hard to find. But yeah, you one, have them on the ready. It's one of the reasons why we, we are so happy to have you guys as a sponsor for the show and uh, here at the gym. Uh, all right. So Rico's Burritos brings you this next segment. You played at Oregon State back in the day. I'm a proud uh, Colorado yeah. Buffalo where, you know, they play each other this year up in Corvallis. They do. Um, but they're both in the Pac-12, and I wanted to get a, a, a Pac-10 members' thoughts about this, the 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 future of the Pac-12, where you think it's headed. Uh, and if you do, if, if you see them, you know, merging with the, the Big 12 at some point, what do you think? Well, I, once I knew, uh, or once we all saw that uh, – the NCA was starting to lose its stranglehold on the monopoly that right. they had for so long. We knew that there were going to be major changes, right? The NIL deals Needed. and what have you. And, uh, and listen, we're all in it to make a buck. Amen to that. Right? Yeah. Amen. And, and the uh, kids should be able to prosper as well. 100%. It's great to see, right? Back in our day when we were grinding was just and getting the excitement. Oh, gosh. You know, a little Taco Bell living it up in the beginning of the month. <laughs> little Wendy's And money. Top Ramen at the end of <laughs> yeah, the month because right. you didn't have anything. I mean, it was, it was rough goes. And coaches were rolling up in their BMWs and their Lexus. Mm -hmm. And we are just trying to make ends meet. It's nice to see that these young men now are going to get something for their hard work and their efforts. Seeing that and now seeing USC and UCLA jump ship just tells you, in my opinion, how weak the Pac-12 was. Yeah. And uh, it is. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, and, man, we just lost two very strong universities. And the entire Southern California Southern recruiting Cal base. 100%. I mean, that's, that's tough. That's tough. They're going to have to link up with someone and someone that will take them, right? Uh, they were in talks with, uh, was it the Big Ten? The, or so, the, the, so the Big Ten was rumored to want Washington and Oregon, and then they backed out. The Big 12 got involved, and they said they wanted Utah, CU, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, and Arizona State, which would leave Washington State and Oregon State on the outside looking in. Stanford and Cal would go independent. They were saying Oregon State and Washington State would join the Mountain West. I mean, that... I mean, I, some say it's a step down, but if you look at the TV deal, the Mountain West TV numbers and the Pac-12 TV numbers are exactly the same. So, 
which I don't know is I don't know that that is a testament to the Mountain West, West or, or how exactly how terrible it was for the Pac-12, yeah. um, and and that's that's the thing. I, I the initial talks what I heard were simply hey, we don't want this package because it's a negative deal for them. Yeah, and so that, the, that the Big 12 would we, be taking schools that they don't think would help 100%. their bottom line. And and in the Conference of Champions, I just don't see how you can negate 10 of the teams. Like, if, they, if they're just the Pac-10 without the L.A. market, what is the point of being in the Pac-10? The Conference of Champions was severely hurt when UCLA left, right? I mean, UCLA... They brought those championships of the non-big sports together. Do you right? think it's worse losing USC or UCLA? Because they're trying to block UCLA from leaving because they're the public university. Right. SC's private. They can just leave. They can. They can. I I think for that reason, I think UCLA would be the biggest hurt. I mean, due to the fact that I think, I mean, this is just off the top of my head, but I think that UCLA by far is the winningest University. Oh, it's got to be with all the with all the other sports, and right? One hundred percent soccer. Yeah, I mean, so many other things. Oli- Girls, men. Yeah, I mean, and gosh, you just two minutes on that campus, and you can't help but to think, why has this football team not been better well, through the years? I mean, you're in LA, which is probably also the reason it hasn't. But... Well, I think it's one of the reasons why they're leaving. And just just to wrap this up, but. I think that UCLA and USC think that they've maxed out their conference and they're a 9 or 10 win team every year. And if they go to a bigger conference like the Big Ten, they'll be able to attract some of the guys that leave the L.A. market for Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State. And they're looking at that and going, okay, if we go to that market, they won't leave and we'll be able to bag our kids. So you never know. We'll see. We'll see what happens this year with CU and, and Oregon State up in Corvallis last year in Folsom. It was a hell of a game. Sure was. Uh, so, so that'll be fun as always. And uh, looking forward to having Cruz in here tomorrow morning, getting back to work. So, Thank you, man. Like I said, we appreciate what you do. Um, I appreciate I, what I, you do. It's a great product. Thank you. Uh, you know, we see how you give back. The way I try to do it is now I'm, I'm a coach at Legend as well. They're giving me an opportunity to spend time with the boys, which love I love. It. This game that has given us so much to be able to spend more time with it is is a blessing so amen to that. thank you brother and uh thank you all amen to that so everybody check out rico's burritos you can find them all over the place especially here at six zero uh and uh, what's the website there rick www.ricosburritos.com and i don't say it that good that's my man rick garcia and we roll here on savage and average all right thank you to rico's burritos for all that they do and they're going to bring us our little q a session of the uh the show here today but we talk about a lot of the different things that have happened over the week to try and drive the show and, and uh, get this going. So, Big Travis, right off the bat, number one. Who is more likely to make the Super Bowl, the Rams or the Bills? So, Thursday night was – Thursday night was – it looked like Buffalo played their guys and played hard in training camp, and it looked like the Rams didn't. And I, I think Buffalo has a better shot to get to the Super Bowl and win it I don't. I think there's something going on with Stafford's elbow that that they're not being forthright about. Number one, and and look, they lost Vaughn. They, they Jalen Ramsey's not playing up to snuff. He got toasted in the Super Bowl, and he got toasted on opening night. Um, they got their ring, and everybody knows that after you get that ring, sometimes the desire isn't there. There's a reason there hasn't been a repeat since the Patriots did it 
uh, way back in the day with Tom Brady, who's still playing, by the way. Um, so I'm going to go with the Bills there. They are elite. And Josh Allen is just different, bro. Talking about Wyoming Cowboys. With Chad Moma talks about Josh Allen a little bit later in the interview. And it Josh Allen is different. He's I've never seen anything like this before in my life, ever. And he's uh, he could potentially be the most gifted quarterback to ever play the position by the time he's done. He reminds me so much of John Elway in the way he throws the ball. But then he's just like, he's like a super freak. He's John, but really fast. That's nuts. Nuts. Number two. All right. So we had a big weekend of the pay to play. Uh, six games went down where the uh, the participant that paid to play won. Uh, you have Incarnate Word at Nevada, Weber State at Utah State, Marshall at Notre Dame, Appalachian State at Texas A&M, Georgia Southern at Nebraska, and Eastern Kentucky at Bowling Green. Which one was the most significant win? Oh, boy. So, look, going to Notre Dame is always big if you can get a win there. Marshall beating Notre Dame is, I mean, that's fucking huge. It's huge. A&M losing to App State. App State damn near beat North Carolina at home the week before and should have. Uh, they went for the win and, and, and lost, and you got to respect that. They've got it rolling down there at App State. To go to College Station, I've won in College Station, but I played at Colorado. We're Power 5. It, it, I mean, that's a massive upset, probably the biggest upset ever for App State. But then again, you got to remember they beat Michigan back in the day. Um which really put, you know, if you're playing out of state, you, that is not a fucking pushover game. You might be paying them, but they're going to be paying you during the game. But I got to look at the Nebraska one as the most significant because it, it rolls into our next question. And Scott Frost getting canned after five years of just bad football. And he UCF was undefeated when he came out of there. And that guy... I thought he was going to be the savior for Nebraska. Not that I care, but I look, I want Nebraska to be good when we beat them. I want it to mean something. And both programs suck right now. That's not my point. But I think that the most significant is Nebraska because it costs somebody their job. I mean, they just saw enough and, and they pulled the plug. So I'm going to go with Nebraska. Number three. All right. So we saw the little footage of Frost leaving Sunday out of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Who is next to replace him? You know, this is a really good question because I don't, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm hearing Urban Meyer might get interviewed, and I think that please hire Urban Meyer, Nebraska. Please, please hire them, hire him because he will fuck your program up way worse than it is now. You might win one or two times, you might have a ten win season every now and then, but when he leaves, there's going to like shit's going to be bad. There's going to be some kind of scandal when you leave, so just be prepared for that. You know, I I don't know if it's an age, if the age thing lines up, but Coach Bull of Wyoming, he was there when they were the black shirts, and he was a big part of that. He might be somebody they need to kick the door on, but I, again, I don't know if the Nebraska alum is going to be, if that's going to be big name enough for them. I mean, Nebraska needs to understand that they're not who they were. Like, I, this is something I struggle with all the time. Colorado's not what we were. So you're not what you were. It's You're not a commodity anymore. You don't run a division anymore. You don't run a conference anymore. You're Indiana in the Big Ten. We're Cal. So, like, I'm not talking shit. This sucks. So they've got to find somebody that's actually going to program build and not just sit there and talk about how good they are, yet they can't win. 
no one's denying that Nebraska has talent. They lost eight games last year by one score. That said, if you consistently lose the same way, there's something wrong. And they they saw it, and he's gone. So, oh man, I'm, I'm imagine they're going to kick the tires on everybody. But if you're if you're a player on that team right now, it's your opportunity to go take over as as a player and be like, this is our team now, and we'll see what we can see. But I don't see them having a very good season from here on out. Bummer for them. <laughs> Feels good, doesn't it, idiots? Number four. So Texas uh, played Alabama. And, uh, job. and 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 by uh, you know all respect beat Alabama, uh, but they had to also play the refs. So what <laughs> what's the most egregious missed call that you can remember? And that that fucking lack of a safety. I can't. I cannot remember another call. And I know there's other calls. I know there is the NFC title game, the Rams Saints with the the PI that was an egregious missed call that cost New Orleans a chance at the Super Bowl. There's there's calls all the time. Last year in the Super Bowl, the the face mask that they didn't call. I mean, it didn't cost anybody the game, but it was a touchdown. That's an egregious missed call. But this one at Texas, I know the refs. I know that Alabama had like 15 penalties. I get it. They damn near beat themselves. But the refs took points off the board. Like that's a safety. He called the play dead. If you look at the replay, Bryce. His entire hand and half of his form is on the ground. That if that if he would have fumbled that way, they would have said his hand was if the ball was on the ground. So, look, Texas, this is the way it's going to be going to the SEC. This is what the SEC complains about all the time: is Alabama gets all the calls, the the refs are in their pocket, yada yada yada. And I agree. Like I I don't feel comfortable like placing bets on fucking college games right now because the ref the refs are so up and down. The rules are different everywhere. Each conference has a different stat- stature on how they call things. And it, I feel like the like the refs played a massive part of this game. It totally fucked Texas. Totally. And I fucking hate Texas. I hate them. But they got totally fucked. 100% unequivocally totally fucked. And anybody else that thinks that they didn't, you're an Alabama fan. Period. The only people that don't think that Texas got fucked this weekend is Alabama fans. So, careful what you wish for because karma's a bitch and you're not as good as you were last year. And, you know, I'd love to see Alabama not in the playoff, but I have a feeling the playoff this year is going to be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, or Michigan, and USC. Five! So uh, Colorado football is uh, taking an L except for Air Force this weekend. That's, uh, um, everyone lost in the state other than Air Force. Other than Air Force. Everyone. So who uh, who has had the worst start so far uh, between CSU and CU oh, boy. this season? I'm going to have to say CU because they lost a home game they could have won. They could they could have easily won the TCU game if they actually played football. Um, and then the, the showing at Air Force was – I don't know if I've ever been more pissed off watching a CU game than I was in that game. And it's more so what were like the missed opportunities. I'm not necessarily mad at any one particular player other than JT Stroud. Look, bro, I know you transferred in here from Tennessee. I know you've been here, but you can't slide. You can't slide. Like you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't 
sit here and as a fan, as an alum, I can't get behind that shit. Bro, we are not good. The team is getting hammered. We need to, we have a chance to come back. We keep getting chances and you're going to fucking slide instead of go get the first down on fourth goddamn down. You're sliding. It's just a, it's a, it's a complete microcosm to the entire thing that's going on in Boulder right now. We're fourth down. We're running for the sticks. Instead of sell out and go get it, we fucking slide and we turn the ball over on downs and to lose 41 to 10, the way they did. I feel bad for my guys up there because they're, they want to win. I know the coaches want to win, and I know that everybody in Boulder wants scorched earth, and I don't blame them. This shit is terrible. No one likes this. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that I have to get on here and negatively talk about guys that I know personally, but you can't deny what we're watching on tape. You can't deny the lack of talent at the skill positions. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a Colorado team that this, this, this talent deprived at the skill positions. I didn't think the transfer portal would hurt us as much as it did. The transfer portal has fucked us up. That transfer portal fucked us up proper. Bad. I'm watching the USC game, and they, you know, Makai Beacom's out there making plays, picking the ball off in the, in the end zone. That's the CU guy. Christian Gonzalez is balling against Eastern Washington. That's the CU guy. Not the first week of the season, uh, the starting free safety, Mike Perry, for TCU, was the CU last year. You know, Michigan State, Broussard's up there balling. Jerry Rice's kid is balling at USC. So, like, those guys were all in Boulder last year. I'd imagine I, – I don't know if Coach Sanford's process works or not because I, I don't know what he's got. He doesn't have any – no one can catch the ball. All the receivers were dropping the ball like crazy the other day. It was raining like hell. Why don't you put gloves on? I don't understand it. So, there's so many things we could talk about specifically about Saturday that I don't want to get into because I don't want to ruin my week. It's Tuesday. I'm over it. But – the slide was unbelievably terrible. Look, CSU's lost to Michigan, Michigan in Ann Arbor. I'm not going to sit here and act like CU wouldn't go get beat 51 to 7 2. And then, but the Middle Tennessee game, that shit's embarrassing. First of all, Coach Norvell asked everybody to go out and like show up for the game and, you know, come out and fill the stands. And no one showed up because no one gives a shit up before Collins. And there's, you can't tell me you give a shit. I went to CU's home opener. If you're on Twitter or Instagram talking shit, CU, CSU, and you're a CSU fan and you didn't go support to their home opener, shut the fuck up. Shut up. You're a chump. You don't get to talk. You're just talking shit. So you didn't go support, and they got boat rush, boat race. That was not – 3419 is not an indication of what it really was. They got absolutely hammered. So there's a massive talent problem at CU and CSU in the skill positions, in my opinion. Um there's some big guys. There's some good players in the trench. But again, I don't care how good you are in the trench. If you don't have skills, you're fucked. So, you know, I talk about this with Chad Muma a lot on, on, on the show today when you see his interview is Wyoming walks into Colorado and takes players constantly, i.e. Chad Muma. You know what I'm saying? So it's – I think it's a fixable problem. But right now, I'd have to say CU, CU looks worse, but I think CSU is worse off but not by much. Six. So of those teams, the Rams and the Buffs, which team is going to turn it around the first? Oh, man. It's really it's going to hurt my feelings when I say this, but I think CSU will turn it around first, unless CU gets out of the Pac-12. Like if CU, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah go to the Big 12, which I don't see how they can't at this point. USC and UCLA are gone. 
I, all I keep hearing is Washington and Oregon are doing everything humanly possible to get into the Big Ten. And I'd imagine that they either will or when the L.A. market's gone for the Pac-12, there's no reason to be in the Pac-12 anymore. Period. So people have to start watching their own skin at that point. So if CU gets back in the Big 12, which I think is a better conference and fits their identity a little bit more, and you know they can go back and recruit Texas, which was such a fetal hotbed for them back in the day, and that they, they don't play in Texas anymore, ever. This is why they're scheduling TCU, so they can get back into Texas. So, like, if they go that direction, I think they have a legitimate shot to pull out of this. If they stay in a dying conference, they're irrelevant right now. No one, no one watches. No one cares. And that's, that sucks. CSU's in the Mountain West. So, I, and Jay Norvell's already done it at Nevada. He's already turned a struggling program into a powerhouse. I think he can do that again in Fort Collins. I really do. I like his coaching staff. I think Billy Best is a good offensive line coach. Um, I think they're going to have an opportunity to recruit the state if they honor it, which CU and CSU haven't done for years. And yes, they there are guys from this program starting at CU and CSU, and that's great. I'm saying honoring the state from a whole and just all the players that come out of here, making sure that every single Division One Power Five player or Division One Group of Five player or those players are offered by both schools and like legitimately recruited. And then the one double A kids losing Blake Haggerty to UNC, like that's a great gift for Ed McCaffrey. He should be at CSU. So you've got to really evaluate those second tier kids and where are they going to fit and how are they going to develop? So I look, I think it's bright for both schools. If they do certain things, if they continue down the path they're on now, we're both fucked. And this is the most, it's the most, it's the worst time ever to be like illiterate of football. Worst ever because of social media and all the coverage and all the money and NIL and everything else. If all this would have happened in 1990, holy shit, where we see you on CSUB at this point. So it, this is the absolute worst time to be inept and see you on CSU are definitely that. So Shit, man, I don't think either make a bowl game, and you could be looking at maybe one or two wins total out of both teams this year, which breaks my fucking heart. Number seven, or Elway, as we call it. What's the Elway question? Well, we are going to head towards the NFL. Are you more excited about KC or concerned about Arizona? So this was the opening game of the, of the Sunday slot, and Kansas City looked fucking great i mean patrick mahomes went five touchdowns the ball didn't seem like it hit the ground all day arizona couldn't cover i mean they couldn't cover anybody and kansas city just boat raced their ass um look i can't say i'm excited about kansas city because i don't really want them to do well but they're going to i love watching good play so watching mahomes is fun for me i i don't really have the fandom thing in the nfl i want to see good football I want the Broncos to win. It's easier to cover a team when they win. But if they don't, it doesn't ruin my day. Like, I don't give a shit about last night. It's something to talk about. We will. But I don't really care the way the way that the rest of this community out here is all long-faced today. Um, I'm more concerned about Arizona. Like, they, they look banged up. Their players aren't on the field. Kyler Murray was missing the most, like, the most elementary blitz looks and the most elementary shit. They ran one, like I, I did coach, coach uh, Jason Brown and I are doing a show on Monday nights on, uh, in, in the halftime called RPO. So go check that out. 
And he put up something last night about a quad look. Quads in the NFL. Four receivers to one side. Quads in the fucking National Football League. And the, the safety's sitting right out here to the right. And they don't pick him up. And he throws a pick. And it's like, it, why do you think that guy's standing right there? They just gave you $150 million guaranteed. And there was a reason there was a fucking clause in your contract saying you have to study. Because you don't. You don't study. You're stupid. You're football stupid. I'm not saying you're stupid. Like, as a man, I don't know you. But you're football stupid. You're football dumb. And the only reason that you got away with it for so long is because you're fast. And you're athletic. And eventually that shit's going to catch up. They're going to fucking figure it out. So I'm more concerned that Arizona just threw away 230 million fucking bucks. Or however much they did, because that 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 kid is he's in trouble, bro. Arizona is going this way quick. I wouldn't be surprised if if he is considered a bust in a year or two. Hey, is there anything more worse than a tie on opening day? And how do we get rid of them? Anything worse than a tie? Uh, no, there's nothing worse than a tie. It's almost as bad as all the incest in Game of Thrones. Okay, look, I don't understand it, but the same thing happened on the same day. On Sunday, I had to watch a fucking tie between the Colts and the Texans, and then on fucking Sunday night, House of Dragon, I had to watch an uncle and a niece get it on, and I don't understand it at all. So yeah, can we change those two things about Sunday? Yes, the tie thing has to be legislated out, okay? It has to be. Like, come on, man. How long are we going to treat these NFL players like they're fucking China dolls? Nobody can play in the preseason. We don't want to play the game too long. Somebody might get hurt. Can we? The college kids can fucking play till someone wins, but the pros can't. Like, if you have a tie, you can't make the playoffs. That should be the new rule. Fuck you. Uh, you can go 16-0-1, but you can't make the fucking playoffs if you tie. I, they've got to get rid of it. It's a waste of time. Why did I just waste my day watching the Colts and the Texans tie? they got to figure this out. It's awful, awful, awful. Not as bad as the incest. I, I love the show so much, and there's so much incest. It's fucking weird. It's weird. It's okay. Fuck it. Number nine. Philly and Minnesota square off on Monday night. Who is in a better position after week one? I'm going to go with Minnesota. Philly scored 38 fucking points and looked really good, uh, but they also gave up 35 and didn't look very good on defense, couldn't tackle anybody, although it is the first week. Um, Minnesota Minnesota kicked Green Bay's ass all over the field, and they looked like it was really important to them. It didn't look very important to Green Bay. Um, you know, all the, all the sympathy for this kid that dropped the pass from Aaron Rodgers. Dog, catch the ball. What the fuck? I, there, you want to hear something? I say this all the time with the receivers in 6-0, and I get so much shit for it online. Every time somebody hears it, they're like, man, catch him. Uh, these are hands. And if you have hands, you can catch, which means everyone can catch. So you have to put your mind to catching the ball. And if you drop Aaron Rodgers' tip touchdown throws like that, he will find somebody that will catch the ball 100%. And your ass will be fucking serving beers in the concession line. So catch the goddamn ball. This It's not like Go work with him more. Catch the fucking ball. That's your job. So, you know, Minnesota's good. Kevin O'Connell's got his shit together. Jordan Jefferson was running all, wide open all over the fucking field. Minnesota, I picked them to win the, the North this year. I, I'm going to stick with that, obviously. Um, I think Minnesota is a really, really, really good-looking football team. And 
I don't know. This might be the year to break that curse. Four Super Bowls and no wins. What if we got Minnesota Buffalo this year? Oh, my God. That would be fucking crazy. One fan base is going to be so happy. The other one's just going to be, well, like they've always been. <laughs> can I give it a fucking can. All right. So out of uh, 10 teams that didn't play their starters in the preseason, eight lost. Do Including you agree, the Broncos. Do you agree with sitting your starters? <laughs> no. Fuck no. Get out there and play. You're, played to play. You're paid to play football. I don't care if it's just one fucking one like series just to knock the dust off. I watched Buffalo go out and chop up Denver for one two two series and set their guys on got hurt. Tom Brady played in the last preseason game. He didn't get hurt. Like, come on, man. Dak Prescott didn't play at all and his ass is hurt in fucking the first three quarters out for eight weeks. And it wasn't egregious. So you can't you can't legislate contact out of the game. You can't make it safe. It's not. You, all you can do is get ready for it. And getting ready for it requires callous. And this is what happens when you don't fucking play your guys. Point in case, what happened with the Broncos last night? That shit was unbelievably terrible. Hackett didn't have any, like, in-game, uh, in-game, you know, recall with the guys he's watched on the field. All he did was watch Ripper. He doesn't know how Russell's going to handle it in an in-game situation. We're going to talk about that monstrosity, but it that's a just a precursor. Eight out of ten lost, and everybody thinks this is the way to go. Look, the the worst thing in football right now, in my opinion, is this overstating that the first four weeks of the regular season is part of the preseason. Like, hey, September's just an extension of the preseason now. Fuck that it is. You could lose a game right now in a good division that keeps you out of the playoffs. This is the regular season. The bullets are live, and you better wake the fuck up. And those eight teams that didn't play their guys, I guarantee you next year they, they do. Guaranteed. Guaranteed the Rams, the Packers. The Packers have done it now two years in a row and just shit on themselves opening week. The Broncos are in that mix. They're going to play their guys next year, at least a series. Guaranteed. Because you can't look at this and not and not think it's a fucking problem. So let's just go straight into the Broncos based off of that. If you look at all these teams around the NFL, the Packers, the Bengals, the, the fucking Cowboys, especially those three, none of their starters played. They all lost. They all looked terrible doing it. The Broncos looked, I didn't, I'm not going to say they looked terrible. Russell was 29 of 42. And, you know, 340, and they had multiple opportunities inside the wet red zone to score. Hey, weird Melvin fucking Gordon had more touches and fumbled inside the red zone. So I just, just understand something. When Melvin Gordon got re-signed, I hated it. I've been adamant about hating it on the radio and on the podcast. In passing and conversation, I despise the move. And this is why. Because he got more rushing attempts. I know he didn't get more touches. Javante Williams had 11 catches, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Yes, I want to get him involved, but he shouldn't have 11 catches. Your receiver should have those catches. It's like check down Charlie last night. That's what I was watching. Melvin Gordon had 12 rushing attempts and fumbled inside the fucking five. And I'm not going to put him and Javante Williams on the same plane. That's Javante Williams' first goddamn fumble. Melvin Gordon is Mr. Fumble. That's what he's known for. So the fact that he's getting more actual carries, the fact that they only ran the ball 19 times, and they're only down by one score. I just, it looked to me like the old Broncos. I thought we were done getting 16 point games. 
And then let's just talk about what everybody's talking about because that's really what it comes down to. The field goal at the end of the game is maybe the worst call I've ever seen in Broncos history. And it's your first game, Hackett. And this is what you do. It's your first fucking game. And you let 50 some odd seconds that they, that, that play to Javante went like nine or 10 yards and they had 50 some seconds, right? And then they had three timeouts and he let it run all the way down to 20 something and took a timeout and tried a 64 yard field goal in Seattle, no less. We're not even in Denver. I know McManus is a fucking badass and his nuts are this big, but goddamn, you're asking an awful lot of that guy, aren't, aren't you? And and didn't we just fucking trade like a boatload of picks and personnel? Uh, consequently, guys who showed up last night for Seattle, by the way, keep that in mind. Shelby Harris balled the fuck out. Shelby Harris was killing people in the red zone. The, the, the fucking offensive line for the Broncos inside the red zone was getting murked. Maybe you should do some nine-on-seven full-contact fucking run drills in camp so you can actually get big at the line of scrimmage and score touchdowns. Al Wood was throwing Glasgow around and Reisner around like they were ragdolls. I mean, the entire game. Look at some of those fucking three techniques where they were blocking them one-on-one. So the return on investment for Seattle was pretty high last night. The return on Denver was monumentally low. The fact that they didn't allow Russell Wilson a chance on fourth and five with his feet and everything else, and he's he's tied for the lead league in the last 10 years in comebacks, and you're not going to allow him to do it in his first game? His first fucking game ever as a Bronco? And you're going to handcuff him like this? I'd rather us lose on fourth and five than try a 64-yard field goal and waste 30 seconds doing it. It's such a coward move to me. And if I'm in that locker room right now, they, I understand that everybody said, uh, we believe in Nate, blah, 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 blah. But that's the kind of shit we get on the plane afterwards and we all sit down after, like, and we're all going home late night on a Monday night after you just lost by a fucking point to a team you should boat race, and they should have. And with all the, the four missed opportunities inside the red zone are egregious enough. They, they should have beat that team by 28 points last night. And I have confidence that they'll figure this out and get it right. But again, losing that game last night will probably be the reason the Broncos don't make the playoffs if you want to guess, because that will rear its ugly head again. When you play to the level of your competition like they did last night, that will rear its ugly head again 100 fucking percent, and they'll lose another game down the road that they're, they're supposed to win. And in this division with Kansas City and the Chargers, they play Thursday, by the way. That's going to be a great game. The Raiders are pretty good. They ran with, Can with the Chargers the whole game, although their offensive line is terrible, maybe, maybe worse into inside than we are. And I'm not saying we're bad, but we got abused last night. When when you're looking at all this, I I seem to think that like last night was storybook. It's set up perfectly for us to go win the game. All you needed was two more first downs. You, why the fuck are we kicking a 64 yard field goal? And that's exactly what the the guys on the plane said after the game. Garen fucking T. Everybody got on the plane, sat down, they turned off the lights. All the fucking coaches are in first class. All the players are in the back. Everybody's sitting there passing around beers and crown shots and blah, 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 and sitting there going, what in the motherfuck did we just do? I know we didn't play well, but we had a chance to win at the game, at the end, and Coach took it out of the players' hands and put it in the hands of our kicker, and he didn't put it in the hands of our kicker from 40. He put it in the hands of our kicker from 60 fucking four outside. There's a difference. Justin Tucker, first of all, he's the best kicker in NFL history. McManus is good, but he's not Tucker. 
and that the kick last year was in a dome in Detroit, not on the fucking waterfront in Seattle. I mean, come on, dog. It's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And if this is the way this is going to be, then we just hired another coach that doesn't know situations, that didn't know he had timeouts, that didn't know how to use the timeouts, and has totally mismanaged the game from a time from a, uh, a clock standpoint, just like fucking Vance did and just like Fangio did. Exactly like they did. So I really hope that the Broncos use this as an opportunity to get right because everything good that happened in that game last night, there were some good things, was overshadowed by the fact that they looked like they, did, they weren't ready to play, and they weren't. Multiple turnovers that obviously they weren't ready to play because the ball security issues are direct reflection of that. The right guard goes down, and you put in Glasgow, and he gets absolutely boat raced. He was getting his ass beat the whole game. So you got to figure out your interior offensive line, which we thought was going to be a problem. We talked about multiple times, and right off the bat, it's rearing its ugly head. Again, go out, watch Al Woods come off the bench on the goal line and just murk everybody. Go watch Shelby Harris murk everybody off the bench or murk everybody inside the 10-yard line. The the receiving core looked good, but again, they were off. I thought Russ and the receivers were off. That's why you had 11 completions to Javante Williams. Although I want the backs more involved, I'd rather Judy have 11 catches or Sutton have 11 catches than Javante. Um, and then the, the fucking Melvin Gordon thing, bro. The fact that he got more carries right off the bat. I knew this shit was going to happen. I fucking knew it. I talked about it so many times on Altitude and on the podcast. He's going to get more carries. He's going to get more look because he's older. And this is going to fucking, it's going it, to, it's going to stunt the growth of a great player, Javante Williams, who was running angry as fuck last night and lowering his head and making guys pay at the second level. So look. The Broncos, you know, they have Houston coming up. And if you want to sleep on Houston, go ahead. They just took a team that I think is really, really good uh, and tied with them. That's fucking cute, by the way. Nice tie. Um, but they're, they're far from a bad football team, and they can easily come into Denver and get a win if we don't take them seriously. So that was about as a bad an opener as I can remember, um, just because the expectation level was so high. And – they just didn't live up to it at all. They shit all over themselves, period. All over themselves. And we did not have an adult diaper on. This is just a disgusting display. There's shit everywhere. It's on a bus. There's other people involved. It's bad, okay? It's just bad. Um, so uh, what what will they do moving forward? I don't know, man. I don't work for the goddamn Broncos. But I can tell you this. They better figure it out because that shit ain't going to work. That's not going to work. So... Just to, I don't know if you could have a worse weekend for Colorado football. All the every team in the state of Colorado, other than Air Force, who beat CU, lost. All of them. And the Broncos had the fucking icing on the cake last night with that bullshit that we watched for three and a half hours. Although Seattle's really happy this morning, we make Geno Smith look like a goddamn superstar. So, look, man. It is what it is. I don't know the answer to these questions. I hope that they come out against the Texans to play a lot better, and I would expect them to. Um, but I guess we'll see. Uh, Chad Muma is on the show today, so we're going to go to the Chad Muma interview. And, and it is my honor and pleasure to bring on a member of the Dungeon family and a guy who started this program over at 6-0 Football Academy when he was a freshman in high school, man, what, eight, nine years ago now. Uh, 
a rookie for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a third-round draft pick last year for uh, Jacksonville out of Wyoming, uh, Legend High School product right down the street here uh, in, in Parker, Colorado, where we're based here at Six Zero Football Academy. Uh, one of the goats out of this program, uh, Chad Muma, joins us here on the on the podcast. And uh, Chad, brother, to say it's good to talk to you is an understatement. Uh, how is life? No, it, life is great. You know, it's it's life in the NFL now. And so, I, you know, I'm loving everything and uh, just really enjoying it and, you know, staying busy, uh, as you might expect going into the season. Yeah. So last year, you know, you had an incredible season in Wyoming, one of the best linebackers in the country. Uh, you were you were nominated for the Buckus. Uh, you know, playing for Coach Bowl up there, and and you know, Wyoming is entrenched in recruiting this room, as you know. You're you you being part of this room for as long as you have been. Um, the Wyoming in recruitment when they when they were recruiting you right off the bat, you started six zero when you were a true freshman. You worked your ass off. You got to the point where Wyoming started recruiting you really hard, and you end up there. Just talk about your development from the time you got to Wyoming to the time where they drafted you and just, you know, how much it helped you playing under a guy like Coach Bull. Yeah, you know, I think it was huge, you know, going into that freshman year. I think, you know, I, I was only about 195 pounds going into college. And I think that's one thing every single year I gained about 10 pounds in weight and ended my, you know, senior season at like 235. And so uh, that was always huge for my development. And then also just kind of learning – from those guys like Logan Wilson, who plays for Cincinnati Bengals now, uh, Cash Maluia, who was drafted by the uh, New England Patriots and was there for a stint. Um, I was able to really learn, you know, the linebacker position behind those guys and really, uh, you know, develop my game into, you know, being to the level it was at my, my senior year uh, to have the potential to go get drafted. And so, uh, you know, having a guy like Coach Bowl, he was huge and, uh, you know, just my development as well. He kind of shaped me into a leader. I was a two-time captain there. Uh, so I was able to have great conversations with Coach Bull and, you know, kind of lead the Wyoming defense out there. Uh, and so, you know, I think you know, I'm really grateful for Wyoming and the program. I think that Coach Bull does a fantastic job of, you know, just getting guys ready for the NFL, um, especially just with the guys uh, and coaches that he brings in uh, and surrounds himself with. And look, you're a legend high school product right down the street here. We're, we're in Parker off of Progress. And legend is 10 minutes away. And, you know, I, when you walked in the building as a freshman, you could see the athletic ability and the length. And you were playing, for, you were playing safety for legend at that point. And one thing I love about Wyoming and the way they do things is their ability to see talent and their ability to see development. Like they know a guy has to develop and their, their, their plan fits with my plan. Like when I, I remember saying to Wyoming, if you bring this kid in and develop him, this is what you're going to get, what, what we're talking about right now. So I remember talking to you about this when you were in high school before you left for college and, you know, several conversations in college about just, you know, after watching you ball out on a Saturday, just the simple, the simple communication of, you know, keep your head down, keep working. You're going to have the world by the balls here pretty soon. And now, brother, you're cupping it. You got the world by the fucking short and curlies <laughs> and life is awesome. Okay. So there's a bunch of kids in here right now that used to be in your shoes or that are, it, they, let me rephrase that. There's a bunch of kids in six zero right now. You used to be where they're at right now, working every day, 5 a.m. film sessions, me on their ass. What would oh. you say to all these guys 
<laughs> everybody that we interview, every time I say that, you're like, yeah, he's he was on my ass. Yeah. What would you say to these guys that are in this program over here at Six Zero Academy about, you know, chasing their goals and their dreams and making sure that they're doing things right every day? And then my message, is it pretty consistent with what you thought would happen? Yeah, you know, I, I would totally agree with that. And I think, you know, my biggest message towards them is just the consistency because, you know, obviously they're not going to be where they want to be at right now. You know, coming out of high school, I didn't have any power five offers. It was all group of five offers, all those coaches that saw me developing. And there was no way I was going to be able to get to the point I'm at today without that consistent, you know, effort towards everything I'm doing, whether it's, you know, eating uh, the amount of food I need to eat to gain weight, whether it's uh, consistently practicing, working hard in the weight room and practice in the film room, everything like that. I think it just all relays back to, you know, that constant effort to make sure that you're you know putting yourself in position to go achieve the goals that you want and I think that's very true you know walking into six zero back then I you know I was a scrawny I was little um, but I still had that drive in me and uh, you know you, even with you getting on us every single day at 5 a.m that's the last thing that we want to hear at 5 a.m as a high schooler but uh, you know I think it's much needed and just to understand that you know you're pushing us because you see what is in us and you're not yelling at us just to be a dick or an asshole. It's about, you know, driving us to, you know, see the potential that we possibly have. And I think uh, that's something that, you know, all those young athletes can see is just that you're getting on them to, you know, get them better and get them to where they can be at. Uh, and so they just got to believe in themselves and continue to strive for their goals. Yeah, I always say that if I'm not on your ass, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Like no, if, I, if, I'm not, if I'm not drilling you, that's bad. And I yeah. know that you've had coaches like that. I know Coach Bowl isn't, he's not going to trade punches. Like, he's going to tell you what it is, and he, you're going to say yes, sir, and you're going to go back to work. And, you know, now you're, you're playing for, for Coach Peterson down there, and, and he, I mean, he's, he's a Super Bowl-winning head coach. He demands respect. So the, the, the lessons that I try and instill in everybody in here, and some guys hear it, some guys don't. You know, some guys are more successful than others, as as you now, I know you see it, the attrition of football. And, you know, you've only, everybody's got their own clock, right? So that that's really why I'm on everybody's ass, is so you can adapt to the coaches who have mortgages and expectations. Because now right. you're, in a, you're in a position now where being as high as you were drafted and, you know, with the future in front of you, your first game was Sunday against uh, the, the Washington Commanders. You guys took an L, but that's the nature of the NFL. It's come back on, come back and, and, you know, deal with it and fix your mistakes and go to work and fix the problems and every day get better, better, and better. So talk about that first NFL action. I remember my first NFL game. It was fast and furious. Talk about that first NFL action. Did anybody get you? Did you get anybody? Uh, just talk about your first game. Yeah. You know, first, you know, regular game, regular season game, uh, you know, I kind of compared it to, you know, preseason when I first saw my first preseason game that seemed fast. And then I get to the regular season and it just seems like everyone has that step up and that intensity just steps up and ramps up even a little bit higher. Uh, and so you can definitely feel the speed out there. And that's just something I, you know, you just got to kind of get used to. But, uh, you know, I, being on special teams and having like seven reps, uh, 10 reps out on defense at linebacker that first game. Uh, there wasn't any really moments that, you know, I got got or they got got um, just because there wasn't too many opportunities that I had. You know, I had one uh, tackle on special teams and so that was good running down on punt and uh, kind of getting in on the tackle on that one. But uh, no real big opportunities that I got got yet. Um, 
I think back to my first preseason game when I was getting uh, more reps. Uh, we were playing Las, uh, Las Vegas Raiders and uh, Josh Jacobs, their running back, he was playing uh, same time I was playing. And, you know, it's my first rep out there. Uh, they're, they're running a little, uh, I think it was a little run to our, my right. And uh, I made a nice little move on the uh, pulling tackle that came up. And so I got underneath and Josh Jacobs is right there. I'm one-on-one -on -one with Josh Jacobs. And he gave me a nice little stiff arm with my feet kind of offset. And that was kind of my welcome to the NFL yeah. moment. And then well, quickly cool. after that. Quickly after that, I uh, made a tackle uh, on him on the sideline. So, it's, you know, everyone gets paid in the NFL. It's just you got to be ready sometimes. Hey, man, there's no one cares how old you are. If you can go ball, you can go ball, and you definitely can do that. So, look, you're a rookie. Um, I know you're carrying pads and shit like that, but what's the weirdest request you've gotten in the room to go buy? Like, yeah, I, used no. to, I used to have to go buy, like, 200 cheeseburgers at a time. Oh, geez. No, I haven't had any 200 cheeseburgers at a time. We – so our linebackers, uh, I was fortunate enough where we have Devin Lloyd and me, uh, who are all drafted guys. And so we got two rookies in the room. So I don't have, we kind of split up and divvy up, uh, you know, whether it's going to buy snacks. Like the other day they requested I had to go to Trader Joe's for a specific fruit <laughs> snack, like just like a random place that's like 30 minutes away from our facilities. And so uh, that was one. And then uh, the other day for special teams, we have special teams meeting. I had to get everyone breakfast in there. So I got like 50 you know, Chick-fil-A breakfast sandwiches. So for get, so that's a, that's a, like 200. That's 50 for the linebackers is equivalent to 200 for the linemen. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And so it's, it, it's, it does, it's those rookie duties. And so, you know, just kind of say, yes, I got you. And then you go do it. And uh, as long as you get it, they're, they're pretty happy. And you and Devin just sit there in the locker room. You're like, are we going to dinner this week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're still waiting on that rookie dinner. Uh, they haven't told us when, but they're thinking oh, it's going to be later in the season. You might want to go open up a credit card for that one because that's they're they're going to gouge you just to gouge you, the bastards. Oh yeah, I know. That's that they they've been talking about it. They haven't uh, brought us out yet, but at least I'll have Devin and me to split the check on that one. Well, at least you guys will have a good time. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Uh, Chad Muma <laughs> joining us here. Third round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars this year out of the University of Wyoming up north. Uh, a legend Titan product and a, a guy who started uh, his his career here at 6-0 when he was a true freshman uh, way back in the day when he played safety uh, for legend. Uh, you know, it, legend high school has always had a proud tradition of guys in this room. From you to Tate to Trustin, who's still playing. Uh, he's at Central Arkansas right now. They've got some really good players over there right now. Last year, they put out Bryce Vass, went to UNC. Uh, what would you say to your legend Titan brothers out over there? Uh, just to, to real quick, get them up because they're 3 and 0 and balling right now. They're, they're really kicking a lot of people's ass. I know they're balling. They've been balling since I left. I don't know what's up with that. Well, you you left and they started winning. <laughs> they started winning as soon as I leave. I don't, I don't know if I was the that was the issue right there, but uh, no, it's it's I'm, I love seeing that. I love keeping up with legend football, and so uh, it's awesome seeing those guys, you know, continue winning, having winning seasons. Hey, so real quick before we get you out of here, Chad, what is the thing about six zero that you remember the most? Is it a, a morning session that uh, people throwing up out the door? Is it just the 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 reps is it the consistency like we talked about earlier is it the film study what's one thing that you can share with all these people about the you know the, the insanity of six zero 
Yeah, no, every time I think of six zero, it's just like it's the embodiment of everything. It's six zero. It's that tough, hard working. It's, you know, me throwing up midway in the workout, going to do back to the workout, throwing up again, going back to the workout. It's just that uh, six zero mentality. It's that dungeon family. And that, that's truly what I think about it every single time. And, uh, you know, I think back, you know, as a high schooler going in there, and you know, having those film sessions with either your team or solo, whatever it was, I always uh, found that very valuable um, just because of, you know, learning that football kind of, I feel like it really prepared me for college and helped me, you know, have that first understanding of what I needed to have going into college so I could play as a true freshman. Um, so I think that was huge. And I think, you well, know, you're, you're one of the few defensive guys that I've had in this program. There's some, look, Alex Padilla is another one, the, the, the quarterback at Iowa, but he's an offensive guy. Very few defensive guys walk in here and see things like a quarterback does. And you're one of those guys. You walked in and saw the personnel groupings and the formation packages and the guards that were light and the tendency packages. And it took you, in my opinion, watching your development throughout your stages at Wyoming and then your senior year where you just fucking blew up. It's because you knew what was coming, bro. And I remember having so many conversations with you about, look, if they do this, this is what you're going to get. And then you would take it and apply it on the high school level. So I knew you were going to apply it on the college level. Did, did you find yourself guessing right a lot? Because a lot of those pick sixes and TFLs, those don't just happen. Otherwise, everybody would do that shit. Oh, no, 100 percent. That, 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 that just doesn't just happen uh, just just by luck. It's. It's definitely seeing the picture before the play. And, and, you know, I think it goes back to film study and truly understanding your opponent and what they like to do out of cer certain uh, personnel, certain tendencies, certain down and distance, everything that can go into it. And I think, you know, that definitely helps is just knowing that picture before. And it, you're not really guessing at that point. It's, hey, it's it's 12 purse. They're in sling per, uh, sling, and they, they're in dot right here. It's 90% run. They they like to run the press open or whatever it may be. It's just all these different things that can go into it. But um, it's just having those tendencies. And then you see that first step and you're like, all right, it's press open. I'm going to go hit it right now. Uh, and so it's just, you know, quick like that. Once you kind of get, get it down and narrow it down through your film study. So <clears throat> is Wyoming the next, like, I, I look, man, you guys are putting out you and Logan White and Josh Allen. You guys got dudes all over the NFL. What is it about that program up there where they take these, you know, these undervalued recruits as we want to, you know, because none of you guys are power five players. You guys all ended up at Wyoming, but you're all absolutely dominating in your different fields and you're a rookie and you're going to be this, on the next path too. Logan has turned himself into one of the best linebackers in football and, and a, he's going to be in that position for the next 10, 12 years if he stays healthy. And Josh Allen might be the best quarterback in football right now. So, before we get you out of here, what is it about Wyoming that's so different? Because, and I know we're giving them a lot of love, but look, bro, I'm a Colorado grad. CSU's right up the street, and they're not having this kind of success reeling in developmental players that can help help them win. They're not yeah. going to bowl games every year. So, what is it? What's the difference up in Wyoming to the other places? No, I just I like you said. I think they find those underdeveloped players uh, coming out of high school, and they just see the potential in them. And I think, you know, what they really do a good job is getting those guys that you know want to work and want to put in the effort and want to you know really get better to then put themselves in that position. I think, you know, Coach Bull, like I said earlier, he does a great job of finding those coaches to kind of delegate everything and 
uh, you know, whatever his vision is, they can, uh, you know, put it across. And I think that, you know, you know, Jay Savell up there, I, I had three different coordinators, uh, defense coordinators when I was there. And, you know, each one was really good in my development uh, and just helping me understand the game and helping me become a better linebacker. And I think, you know, that's credit to Coach Bull just because he always brings in those guys that are going to, you know, help us out the most. And, um, you know, I think, you know, another thing that Coach Bull does a great job with is, you know, the film study and walkthroughs that we go through up at Wyoming. Uh, I think they're huge to, you know, young players' development. Chad Muma, thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. Uh, I know that everybody in here, all these kids in here, look up to you big time. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting that 48 up on, on the wall in here one of these days. Uh, and uh, I'll see you this offseason for damn sure. Good luck this weekend on your upcoming game. And keep balling, brother. Your opportunity is just going to keep knocking. Uh, Chad Muma joins us here on Savage and Average. I am your host, Matt McChesney. That is Chad Muma. Later, brother. Have a great day. Later. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, we will be back next week. I don't know who the guest is going to be, but we will keep you updated uh, no less. So I am Matt McChesney. Uh, big thanks uh, to Colorado Center of Functional Medicine for all that they do to support the show. Uh, their protein's outstanding. I'm about to go hit me some right now after my workout. Uh, so make sure you check them out as well. They do a great job supporting the show and supporting the guys at the gym. So this is Savage and Average, and we are out. Have a good day, folks.